Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Welcome to Soul to Soul right here on 101.9 Hi FM. I'm your host, Rabbi Ari Kiedman. It's great to be with you here on this wonderful afternoon. And I got a question for you since today is a very joyous and celebratory day. When's the last time you wished Happy New Year to a tree? Well, today is that day because today is to Bishvat, the 15th day of the Hebrew month of Shvat, and it's a great opportunity to do so. We celebrate to Bishvat. It's the new year for trees. Why do trees celebrate the new year so much later than ours? Well, we had New Year's just a few weeks ago. And of course, we had Rosh Hashanah that we celebrated just a few months ago. And in truth, in the Jewish calendar, we have multiple New Year's. Well, let's focus on today's New Year's celebration because it has to do with the rainy season in Israel, which commences with the festival of Sukkot. And it takes four months for the rains to saturate all the soil, to nurture the trees, to coax them into producing fruit. And this is important to know if you're planning to give your tithes of fruits as is done in the land of Israel, because the required tithes vary from year to year. We have our sabbatical years, we have the various years in the agricultural cycle as is in the land of Israel. And of course, the mitzvah of tzedakah, of tithing, is something we discussed in last week's segment here on Chai FM, where we talked about the significance, the importance that we're in a partnership with Hashem. We're here for a purpose, we're here for a reason, and each of us has to do our part. And of course, if we want prosperity and success in all of our endeavors, then we have to do our part, which God Almighty demands of us as well. So it's important that if you're a tree and you're looking for something to celebrate, well, you know that this is the time to bishvat. We humans, of course, are the ones who celebrate it along with the trees. We humans can also celebrate with the trees. We celebrate the blossoms that we have, the growth. After all, the Torah, in fact, itself says, ki hadam the man is like a tree of the field. We're nurtured by deep roots. Our roots go deep, deep in history. We are descendants of the great patriarchs and matriarchs of Am Yisrael, of Abraham and Sarah and Yitzchak and Rivka and Yaakov, Rachelay, etc. So you go all the way back. We reach upwards to the heavens while we stand firmly on the ground as we stand erect. And when we do all this right, we produce fruits that benefit the world, especially our good deeds. And there are many ways that we can observe and we'll discuss today how we are like the fruit of a tree. One of the things that stands out, especially as we consider the terrible tragedies that take place, that when we pay attention to a seedling, a seedling, it is planted in the ground. And as far as our eyes can see, what happens to it? It just disintegrates, it decomposes there in the earth. And yet, with time, as it was planted, the potential was created for that tree to blossom, to grow. As we're reading the Torah portion, in fact, this week, and we read about the splitting of the sea, and it says, Az Yashir Moshe. Interestingly, grammatically, it seems incorrect, inaccurate, because Az Yashmir is future tense, as if in the future, Moshe and the Jewish people will sing the song. But perhaps that's exactly the point, that at the time, some Jews did sing and celebrate. After all, they just experienced the great 
miracle of the splitting of the sea. But as Yashir Moshe, in the future, in the Messianic era, when Mashiach comes speedily in our days, then all of Am Yisrael will be able to celebrate. And even our beloved departed ones who we've lost will be able to celebrate and come back to life. And therefore we say, Az Yashir. And this example that we celebrate on Tu Bishvat of celebrating the trees, we realize that although the seed planted, it looks like it's disappearing, it's gone, it's disintegrated, it's decomposing. But yet it comes back to life. That's a basic tenet of Jewish faith that we declare and we recite in the Amidah every single day, thrice daily. We recall that Hashem is Machaya Mesim, that God resurrects the dead. And therefore, we implore, we beseech the Almighty to bring about that era speedily that we could experience the return of all those whom we've sadly lost. And so let's celebrate this day, this day of Tubishvat. And the best way to do so is to get some nice, delicious fruits. It's still early in the day. You can still go out there and get some delicious fruits, especially those that the land of Israel is famous for, such as grapes and figs and olives and dates and pomegranates. And you make the bracha, not only the bracha of Bore Priya Eitz, which is the blessing on fruits, blessing God who creates the fruit of the tree, but it is especially significant to try and get a fruit that you haven't had in a while, maybe the first time enjoying it this season. In which case, you could then say the bracha of Shachianu, the blessing in which we thank Hashem for granting us life, for sustaining us, and for enabling us to reach this special occasion. Many people have a custom of eating carobs. And in fact, this morning at Chabad House, at our Chabad Seniors Longevity Club, we had a Tubishvat Seder. And in fact, love to share with you some insights from our magnificent Seder with all the delicious fruits and other delectable gastronomic delights that we enjoyed. And I'd love to share with you some insights about that, but quick reminder that if you wanna enjoy some of the many wonderful activities that we got at Chabad Seniors programs from daily therapies at 9.30 in the morning, on Mondays we have occupational therapy with Cynthia Lift's memory classes, and on Tuesdays we have yoga, breathing and stretching exercises with Dr. Helena Kennedy. We have Tanya, music therapy, and then we have on Thursdays, we've got fun physiotherapy, keeping our young, golden-aged elders, in fact, active. And then every day at 10.30, we have a shear, and then we have a lunch, and then we have other activities as well. So don't miss out. Come join our Chabad Seniors Club. I think you stand to benefit. Of course, if you're not a senior yet, then just refer a senior who can benefit from our programs and they'll celebrate just as we did today, as we celebrate Tu B'Shvat, the New Year of Trees. And uh, just to remind you about some of the customs, as is important, it's customary that we eat fruits on this day, particularly the ones that the land of Israel is blessed with. And what else do we do today? I'm trying to think, we got a break, no tachnon in our prayers. Many people have a custom to eat the new fruit that we say Shechianu on. And when you're eating such a fruit, um, you know, enjoy its, flavors and its taste and think about something new that you can do in your life as well, just like this new fruit that you eat. So there's a lot that one can think about. But in particular, I want to focus for a moment on this idea that the Torah says, man is like a tree of the field, because the prophets, in fact, compare the Jewish people to various trees. And one wonders, in what way are we likened to a tree? What lesson can we learn from this? Obviously, 
There's lots of lessons. We talked about the potential that each of us has. We discussed the idea that the seedling, while it looks like it's disappearing, and yet there is that opportunity for it to grow. And I think that is the most important lesson. The spiritual growth process that each of us has is in many ways similar to the natural growth process of a tree. A tree is planted by first putting that seed in the ground. And it's necessary if you want that tree to properly grow, but you're gonna have to nurture it. You're gonna have to constantly water the ground to provide it the nourishment and to remove all the weeds that to prevent the, the nourishment that's provided for the tree to be lost. So you wanna make sure that that tree is being properly looked after. And within each of us, Hashem planted a divine seed. Think of our soul and a shama is like that seed. When a child's born, it's our obligation. We have to nourish that soul. We have to water it with the study of Torah. We have to protect it by weeding out the bad influences, whatever those might be. We have plenty of decadence and crime, plenty of negativity that we have to eliminate and make sure that we rather illuminate and focus on what's good and positive. And to make sure that a young tree is going to go straight, what do we do? Usually, you look in the botanical gardens, you see that it's got its supports, one on each side. And in a similar way, we have to make sure that a child grows. And in order for the child to be to grow beautifully and be nurtured properly, the parents must always be at the child's side, constantly supervising them, supporting them, ensuring the child grows straight and tall and doing the right things. Even a little extra care is important if you really want that young seedling to be properly nurtured and the same thing you could say that a child needs all that extra nurture whatever it entails so whatever extra care we give our children after all you know if you look after it it's going to be taken care of it's going to be it's going to develop in a better way and so the same thing it, it, it it's so important it's crucial that in the formative years of a child's development, when the parents have an opportunity that will never be repeated. This is our time to nurture our children. Any positive influence that parents can have on their especially small children will be amplified more and more in the years to come because this is the time when we nurture them and we, we help their development and growth. And the strength of the tree, of course, depends on how well it's rooted in the ground. And the deeper the roots, the stronger the tree. A deeply rooted tree can withstand the elements and even a very strong wind won't be able to shake it because it is deeply rooted. And the same thing we could say about ourselves, that we need that, those roots. Yes, the roots refer to our ancestry and that's very important to know where we come from. But Kabbalah tells us also that the roots symbolize our emunah, our faith in Hashem. And the more deeply rooted our emunah, our bitachon is, the stronger we will be. If we have deeply rooted faith and belief in God, then we could withstand a lot of the negative elements that society, the capricious winds that come our way, and we won't, hopefully won't deviate from the path of goodness and holiness, even when we're confronted with whatever challenges and obstacles that we face with whatever peer pressure and other outside influences. And so just like the tree that it attains its fulfillment, ultimately, ideally, when it produces 
good fruits. Beauty of a tree is the fruit that it produces. Well, besides for, I guess you could say, our biological offspring, but in fact, the mitzvahs, the maizim tajim, the good deeds that we do, those are our fruits. And the more we do, the more beautiful we become, the kinder, the more sensitive, the more caring, the more loving we are like that fruit-bearing tree in so many ways. And, you know, good fruit on its own is wonderful. It's tasty. It's delicious. It's refreshing. But that's not good enough. Because within the fruit, we know there's even greater potential. And that potential is the seeds to produce new trees and fruits of its own kind and to perpetuate it even further for, I guess, to the end of time, for eternity. And in a similar sense, we realize those fruits within ourselves, the ability to do a good deed and it has a ripple effect and it inspires others to do the same, to act in the most appropriate, ethical, upstanding, moral way that is shaped by the values of our Holy Torah. And the good deeds, the mitzvahs that we perform, God's commandments, living in an upright manner, being a role model to society, ultimately, those are the fruits that we produce. And so those fruits, what happens? It's contagious. It's a ripple effect. They'll influence others, and this will be a chain reaction of the greatest magnitude one could imagine. And because this is all the result of the original tree that behaved as it should, that was nurtured as it should be, and you could see the continuity that comes from it. And this is how we need to inculcate in our own lives this very idea. Certainly, we have to produce our fruit, and at the very least, it's not enough, but these fruits, these good influences have to ultimately be felt to the end of the world, to the end of time, that the difference, the impact, the positive, the positivity that this ripple effect will have. And so this is something I want to encourage each of us on this Tubishvat day, that we have to realize it's something that is within our reach. Each of us is able to do so, to be in tune with our divine soul, which is part of God, and to operate with the Torah and mitzvahs given by Almighty God, and thereby we will have our impact. So as we celebrate the New Year for Trees, this year and every year on Tu B'Shvat, we should realize and keep in mind the lessons from the tree. We have to see to it that we educate ourselves, we nurture our children, we guide ourselves on the right path and thereby ensure that we'll grow, we'll blossom, and we will produce the best fruit to celebrate not just the delicious fruit from the earth, but the salt of the earth that each of us can be. We'll be right back. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome back to Soul to Soul right here on 101.9. Hi, FM. I'm your host, Rabbi Ari Kiefen. It's great to be with you here on this wonderful day of Tu B'Shvat as we celebrate. And as we celebrated this morning, Chabad, I want to share with you some of the insights that we could glean from the fruits that we celebrate on this day. In fact, we need to discover and tap into the fruits in each of us. And as we were discussing before, we said, Ki Adam Eitzah the Torah says, Man is like a tree of the field. And as we're celebrating Tubishvat on this day, we look at the Torah as the Torah tells us about the 
special kinds, the seven species that the land of Israel was blessed with, wheat, barley, grapes, figs, pomegranates, and um, olives, and honey, dates. Our sages tell us, originally, all trees actually bore fruit. And that will be the case, please God, in the future, the era of redemption when Mashiach comes. A fruitless tree is a symptom of an imperfect world. The ultimate function of a tree is actually to produce fruit. So if we follow this verse, that man is like a tree of the field, and fruit is the tree's highest achievement, well, there are seven fruits that crown the human and botanical harvest, and these are the seven fruits and grains singled out by the Torah as exemplars of the Holy Land's fertility, the ones we mentioned that are stated in the verse, wheat, barley, grapes, figs, pomegranates, olives, and dates. So let's try to learn some lessons from each of them. And I'm going to focus particularly on the fruit, although I want to remind you that if you're eating a meal in general, you would start off in the sequence, in the exact order that the Torah tells us that the land of Israel is blessed with. So if you're eating bread or biscuits, that would come first before any of the other kinds, if you're going to take part in them. And most likely, most of us do, do even on a low-calorie diet, so you would still make sure to have your bread if you're washing for hamotzi, or at least a cake or biscuit. And then if you're going to eat some barley, maybe there's some chalent, well, that would come second on the list. And then you would go in the order of the grapes and then the figs and then the uh, pomegranates and the olives and the dates. Well, let's learn from, let's go in the order of the particular fruit. So let's focus, let's start with grapes. What are grapes about? The defining characteristic of a grape is joy. This certain passion, excitement. In fact, there's Yotam's parables in, in the book of, of Shoftim and Judges says, my wine which makes joyous God and men. And in Tehillim, what does King David say? That that wine gladdens man's heart. Joy is revelation. A person ignited by joy has the same basic traits he possesses in a non-joyous state. We have it's the same thing, the same knowledge, the same intelligence, the same loves, hates, wants, and desires. But when we're in a state of joy, Everything's more pronounced. The mind is keener. The love is deeper. The hate is usually more animated and vivid, and the desire is perhaps more aggressive. Emotions that ordinarily show only a faint intimation of the true extent now come out into the open. And as the Talmud says, that when wine enters, the secrets the concealed emerge, but the godly and the animal souls, both of them, they contain vast reservoirs of insight and feeling that never see the light of day because there's nothing to stimulate them. So the grape represents the element of joy in our lives, the joy that unleashes these potentials and adds depth, color, and intensity to everything we do, just like the delicious wine has within it the volume, the taste, the color, the flavors, the aromas. Well, hopefully the grape brings out those elements within us too, because you know what the grape did when someone stepped on it and gave out a little wine. Well, the grape represents that joy that it brings out from within us. Let's talk about the next one that the land of Israel is particularly blessed with figs. What does figs symbolize? Figs represent involvement. We might be doing something fully and completely. We might even be doing it joyously. 
Are we there? Are we involved? The fig, which is the fourth of the Shiva Saminim, the seven kinds of the land of Israel, is blessed with. It's also the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, the fruit which Adam and Eve, Adam and Chava, tasted. What does knowledge, das, imply? It represents an intimate involvement with the thing known, as the verse says, that Adam knew his wife Eve. What does it mean? Adam's fig was one of the most destructive forces in history. In its equally powerful, constructive guise, the fig represents our capacity for a deep and intimate involvement in our in, in, in all the areas, in every positive endeavor, an involvement which signifies that we are one with what we're doing. We have to realize the greatest present we can give our loved ones is our presence, is being fully present where we are. That is an important message and lesson we could learn from the fig. Let's move on to the olives. The olives symbolize struggles. For most of us, life is synonymous with struggle. We all have our challenges, our struggles, our problems. We struggle to forge an identity under the heavy shadow of perhaps peer pressure or maybe paternal pressure. We struggle to find our partner in life until we finally are able to settle with the love of our lives. And we struggle to preserve our relationships, our marriages. We struggle to raise our children. It comes with so many challenges. And then we struggle in our relationship with them as adults. We struggle to earn a living. And then we struggle with our guilt over our good fortune. And there's so many, you could think of so many other struggles and challenges that we have in life. And underlying it all is the perpetual struggle between our animal and a godly selves. We have these two tendencies, our Yetzir Tov, our good inclination, which is inspiring and motivating us to do good. We have the Yetzirah, that is the desire for perhaps things that might be antithetical to our well-being. And so we have the struggle between our self-oriented narcissistic instincts and our aspiration to transcend our egos, ourselves, to be in touch with the divine. Well, my friends, the olive, this is the part of us that thrives in struggle, that revels in it, that would no more escape it than escape life itself. Just like an olive, our sages tell us, just like the olive yields its oil only when it's pressed and crushed. Well, in life too, sometimes we yield what's best in us only when we're pressed between the millstones of life and the counter forces of a divided self, it brings out the best within us, just like the olive produces the oil when it's crushed. Well, I guess you could say the juice are best produced when sometimes we're crushed. We might be going through a very difficult, undesirable time. The greatest challenges that we've seen in so long in our history, but yet we will come through. Not only will we survive, but I'm Yisrael Chai. We will not just survive, we will thrive because we take that message and lesson from the olive. And then we talk about the date, which produces the honey. 
What does that symbolize? It represents perfection and tranquility. If we talk about the olive, the idea that the olive is about the challenges and struggles where we are crushed, well, the olive in us is contrasted by the seventh fruit of the Shiva Hamenim, the date. That represents our capacity for peace, for tranquility and perfection. While it's true that we're best when we're pressed, it's equally true that there are potentials in our soul that well forth only when we're completely at peace with ourselves and only when we have achieved a balance and harmony among the diverse components of our souls. And that is the symbolism of the date. What does the verse say in Tehillim? We sing it every Friday night. Which means that Tzadik, a perfectly righteous person, Katamar Yifrach, should bloom like the date palm. This teaches us a very profound and important lesson about life. While the olive and date describe two very different spiritual personalities, one struggling with the challenges of life, and the other, this katamar yifrach, the, pros- the, the prosperity, the, the blossoming like the date, but they both exist within each of us. We have both elements within ourselves. For even in the midst of our most ardent struggles, we could always find comfort and fortitude in the tranquil perfection that resides at the core of our souls deep inside each of us. And even in our most tranquil moments, we could always find the challenge that will provoke us to even greater achievements. Instead of seeing the challenge as a stumbling block in our lives, we have to see these challenges as windows of opportunity. One of our great projects at Chabad House is our arcs. We've been providing and sending arcs all over the world. Little arcs, what do the arcs stand for? Well, they remind us of the story of Noah and the ark. In a world of tumultuous floods, the Al-Aqsa flood that we sadly just experienced and so many other floods of life. Well, the ark, which represents acts of routine kindness, reminds us to constantly do good, to change the world, to be a positive influence. And the Baal Shem Tev had a very beautiful insight. He said, you know, that what, one of the instructions God gave Noah for the ark was Tzohar Tasa build a Tzohar. What was this Tzohar that it was to add to the ark? Well, the commentators tell us that Tzohar could mean a window and Tzohar could also mean a light. So we're going to have a quick game here on Chaya Fam on the air called Scrabble. Anyone here like Scrabble? Well, let's try to have a quick game of that. I'm going to give you those three letters rearranged. And we're going to start off with the spelling of Tzadik Reishe. Tzadik Reishe spells Tzara. What does Tzara mean? Tzara is pain, anguish, struggle, challenges, difficulties. Are you relating to that? Can you relate to it? I used to have a car. It's called a Fort Taurus. But its Yiddish name was a Fort Tzorus because that's what it gave us. was Tzorus, was problems. Well, we all have our problems. And the Baal Shem Tov says, if you play Scrabble with your problems, the word Tzara, same three letters of Tzadik Reishe, can be rearranged. And now we're going to just move the Reish and the He. So instead of, sorry, we'll move the Tzadik 
and the resh. So instead of it being tzara, we're going to have ritze. Just move those around. What does ritze spell resh tzadikei? We have the desire, the will. If we have that will within ourselves, no matter what we're enduring, no matter what struggles we are experiencing and encountering in our lives, then just remember, rearrange the letters. Because from tzara, from trouble, we turned into say You have a desire to move forward. And if you have, let's rearrange the letters again. I don't know if the Baal Shem Tov said this, but it makes sense. You will have now hey Reish Tzadik, which spells hearts, the Yiddish word for the heart. If you had the passion, the enthusiasm, the excitement that you want to do this, you have the desire and the will to say then you know what comes next. Sohar, the very challenge and struggle, you know what it becomes, a springboard. Instead of seeing it as an obstacle, as a stumbling block, you see it as a window of opportunity because you rearranged the letters again. And now you spelled Sohar, Sohar meaning a window or even better, a light. You, you took this challenge and instead it became a springboard, a window of opportunity to become a shining light in your life. So there are some lessons we could take from the fruits of Israel. And when we're back, we will take some more lessons about how man is compared to the tree in the field. We'll be right back. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome back to Soul to Soul, right here on 101.9 Chai FM. I'm your host, Rabbi Ari Kiedman. Happy Tu B'Shvat. It's great to be celebrating this day, the day of the new year of trees. And just as man is compared to the tree of the field, we have to be learning some very profound and powerful lessons of how we are like the tree in the field. Well, we talked about a tree never stops growing, no matter how large the tree is. Every year it adds height and thickness and the tree isn't satisfied with the fruits that it perhaps produced last season. Every year it continues to offer the world new fresh produce. Well, my friends, I think that's a very simple, easy lesson that we could all take from this is that we have to continue to constantly be growing in our knowledge of Torah, in our service of Hashem, in our relationship with our fellow human beings, the mitzvahs that we produced yesterday, the fruit that we talked about before, the charity we gave, we have to be continuing to do even more. It doesn't exempt us from doing what we did yesterday. On the contrary, today we have to do even more than the day before. Of course, we have to remember another important lesson that we're, we're a foundation. A tree cannot survive. It certainly won't produce a quality crop unless it has those strong, viable roots that we talked about before. And so our fruit, our Torah, our mitzvahs, our good deeds, they have to be grounded in the strong foundation of faith in God, of commitment to fulfilling his will. And one who only does mitzvahs when they're in the mood of it, or when a particular mitzvah finds favor in their eyes, it's wonderful that they're at least doing that, but it's not enough. It's like a tree without roots that, unfortunately, it can be toppled by even a weak wind. We have to strengthen ourselves. And that's our amuna and betachan that we've been discussing. We have to care for the seedling. You ever try to grow a tree, right? You know, of course, we know very well that the amount of care it requires and even a slight damage or a nick to the seed or the tender sapling is going to cause a gross malformation and the growth of that tree. But once the tree is fully grown, then it fends for itself 
and could withstand even large scrapes and bruises. Our sages tell us that education is no different. And that's why the emphasis, particularly when our children are young, is that a young child's mind and heart are so, so delicate and impressionable. It's so important to make sure that they receive proper Jewish care and they're not exposed to the undesirable nicks and bruises to the negative influences, the capricious winds of the world around us. Never say that our child's education, their Jewish education in particular, could wait until they mature because unfortunately then it could be too late. And if anyone accuses you of brainwashing your child at such a young age and stage, well, nothing wrong with washing our children. After all, we want them to be clean, right? Well, the Torah is telling us that man is compared to a tree of the field. Well, is the tree of the field a man? What does it mean when the Torah says in the same book of Devarim, some of the rules for a military campaign? And the Torah says, when you besiege a city for many days, do not destroy its trees because from then you will eat and therefore you don't cut them down. And the Torah says something very interesting. For is the tree of the field a man that it should be a victim of your siege? Only the tree of which you know that it is not a fruit-bearing tree. It you can destroy and cut down for military purposes and to build a bulwark against the city that makes war with you until it's conquered. So there are actually two ways of understanding this verse in the Torah that says, the verse that man is a tree in the field, if you pay attention to the context. In fact, Rashi understands the verse, in fact, to be more of a question. So it's saying the fruit tree is not your enemy. It's neutral. It's even friendly. It's fruit producing. It's, it's a part of nature. It's there for your benefit. It stands apart from man and this conflict. We could learn from the tree and therefore it shouldn't be destroyed. The tree's done nothing wrong. And we should hopefully emulate that attribute of trees and to be ones who contribute to society rather than destructive to society. And therefore, according to Rabbi Avram ibn Ezra, the flow of that verse is that since we human beings need fruit for food to nurture ourselves, the survival of people is synonymous with the survival of the food supply. In other words, using the idea of you are what you eat, the verse can be understood according to the Ebenezer Ezra that for a man is the tree of the field, meaning he depends on the tree for survival. So the tree of the field is a man in that sense. We learn from this about productivity. The Maral tells us that this is comparable to why we compare it to the trees because it's tremendous, has a tremendous significance thus for us to learn. Just as trees have to grow their branches, their twigs, the flowers, all the fruit that fulfill their raison d'etre, their ultimate purpose for existence. So each of us were put on earth to be productive, to produce moral, intellectual, and spiritual truth. And this is why our sages refer to the reward for good deeds. What do they call it? The fruit. Because they are the true human growth. Each of us are producing our fruit, the good deeds that we do here in this world. 
And just as the verse in Tehillim that we quoted before, that the, the righteous person flourishes like a date palm. I'll skip the singing part. What does it say? Like a cedar in Lebanon, we grow tall. What is this verse saying? Planted in the house of Hashem. In the courtyards of our God, they will flourish. What does this verse mean? They will still be fruitful in old age. Vigorous and fresh they'll be. For what? To declare that Hashem is just that this verse is teaching us and reminds us about God's righteousness and justice. And I think, okay, I know I'm getting it over the head already for singing on the air. I'm so sorry. I'm terribly sorry. Probably the biggest mistake I've ever made here on Chai FM, trying to sing in a broken voice. But we're here to have some fun. It's too bishvat. So I'm sorry about that. But the message, of course, and particularly as part of our Chabad Seniors Longevity Program, is to realize that if we nurture ourselves, that we will grow old and blossom and flourish and teach and inspire. And that's why our expression here at Chabad Seniors is aspire to inspire so you won't retire and expire. <laughs> we're, we're against the idea of retirement. What happens in retirement? Retired in the morning or retired again in the afternoon? No, we remain productive. We do things to keep ourselves active, living in a meaningful and purposeful way. That's precisely what we encourage at our Chabad Seniors programs, giving each of us an opportunity every day to continue to grow and prosper as the verse indicates. And this is something very important, I think, that everybody needs to take to heart about that Tu teaches us about part of what it means to be part of the tree, like the trees in the field. One of my favorite stories in the Gemara, and I'm sorry, it's also a song that comes to mind, is about a person who was once walking in the desert and he was very, very tired. He was hungry, he was thirsty, he was exhausted. And then lo and behold, he discovers an oasis in the desert. He found a tree with sweet fruits, with beautiful shade, and best of all, this oasis, the stream of water flowing by it. And so the Talmud says, this man, he was overjoyed. Can imagine from his exhaustion, his tiredness, his hunger, his thirst, it was all taken care of in one place. And the man ate from the fruits of the tree and he drank from a stream and he bathed in the waters and he relaxed in the shade. And you can imagine when he woke up refreshed and rejuvenated and ready to leave, he turned to the tree and he said, Ilan, Ilan, tree, oh tree. How can I bless you? Should I bless you that your fruits should be sweet? They already are sweet. 
Should I bless you with plenty of shade? You already have that attribute of shade that you provide. Should I bless you that a stream of water should run by you? Well, that stream already does flow by you. So I can't bless you with water either. Instead, the man said, what I will bless you with is as follows. I could only bless you that all the trees planted from your seeds should be just like you. When we can raise our children in this way, then we can be their living example, the role model of what it means to be upright and to blossom into our ripe old age as being the living example for our children. Children's not only biological children, but children are all those we can have an influence and impact on in the world around us. So my friends, let's remember, we are like the trees. We're living two lives at once, one life breaking through the soil into this world where with all our might, we struggle to rise above it. We grapple for its sun and its dew. We're desperate not to be torn away by the fury of its storms or consumed by its fires, just like the tree. And we face all of these challenges and struggles all the time. But then there are our roots deep under the ground, unmoving and serene. And they are, as we said before, our patriarchs, our matriarchs, the great glorious past where we come from. They lie deep within each of us at our very core. For them, there's no storm, there's no struggle. There's only the one, the infinite, from all the cosmos with all its challenges and nothing more than a fantasy renewed every moment from the void. And our strength is from our bond with them. And with their nurture, we'll conquer the storms. We'll bring beauty to the world where we planted within. So remember, my friends, each of us are like the tree in the field. Each of us can do so much to be productive. But remember where we come from. Remember the roots, the source of where we are from. And thereby, we won't forget. If you remember where you come from, you'll know where you're going. So in this Tubashat, as we celebrate the New Year of Trees, and we think about all the beautiful lessons that we could learn from the trees for our own personal growth and development, which is most important on this day to understand the meaning of this verse of Ki Adam And throughout the centuries, Kabbalists have used the tree as this metaphor to understand God's relationship to the spiritual and physical worlds. The great Rabbi Moshe Chaim Zato in the 18th century, he said that the higher spiritual realms are roots that ultimately manifest their influence through branches and leaves in the lower realms. And many other great Kabbalists on this day always had a Seder. In fact, we have a great Seder tonight at our Santon Central Shul for our community. And we had one this morning for our Chabad Seniors program, somewhat similar to a Pesach Seder. And it involves enjoying the fruits of the tree and particularly those of Eretz Yisrael, as we discussed, and talking about the philosophical and Kabbalistic concepts, some of the ideas that we mentioned here today. And it's a great way to appreciate the bounty that we so often take for granted and to develop a good and generous eye for the world around us to appreciate all the blessings that we have. Well, time is running short for us today. So I don't think I'll have time to take you through much 
of the Seder, although maybe just a little bit for fun's sake. But if you have a chance to have somewhat of a family Seder today, to experience Tubishvat in a more deeper and, of course, relevant and practical way, I encourage you to do so. And just some thoughts, you know, we, did, we talked about our Seder earlier. Why do we celebrate the New Year for fruit trees on Tubishvat? We explained that since the Holy Temple was destroyed, the Jewish people were no, are, were no longer able to bring the first fruits of Bikurim to Jerusalem. On Tubishvat, we offer instead the fruit of our lips to praise Hashem for all the fruit trees in the world and all the lessons we could take from it. Tubishvat marks a new period for taking the tithes, as we discussed earlier. It's a portion which we give to the to the to those who are less privileged than ourselves, and therefore it's a reminder to us as we enjoy our bounty. And when a person's privileged to eat in the presence of God, we have to show our appreciation, our gratitude by giving charity to those less fortunate than ourselves. And that's one of the important points of what Tubishvat is about. So if you're doing so, the Rebbe always encouraged that everybody should have a tzedakah box wherever they are. They are. Now on Pesach during your city, you won't be able to do such a thing, but on Tubishvat, it's a weekday. It's not a sanctified day like a Yom Tev, And it's important that we do so, that we distribute charity and we care for those less fortunate than ourselves. And remind ourselves what the Mishnah says in Tractate Rosh Hashanah about the new year for trees. And it says, Tubishvat is the new year, la ilan, for the tree in singular, not in plural, la ilanes. And maybe this idea, this reference to a singular tree, some say is the tree of the Eitz Hadat, the tree of knowledge in Ganeda, which we discussed earlier, the idea of remembering that concept and utilizing our wisdom in the right way. So I think our time has pretty much come to its conclusion today, but I would like to remind everybody to remember to aspire to inspire and don't retire so you want to expire. But most importantly, carpe diem, seize every moment. As we learn so many great lessons from the tree of the field, remember each of us is like a tree in the field. And I wish you a happy Tubishvat to learn these lessons, to apply them in our lives, and to celebrate every moment of life. Shabbat Shalom. Thanks for joining us here.